0: Hi there, my name is John Paul Kermy. I am a breathwork teacher. I train people on how to teach breathwork as well. I'm really excited to be doing this new podcast with my good friend Feldy called Hangups, where we're gonna help you change your life. We're gonna show you how to transform your life with different tools. That's right, I'm John Feldman. I'm in a band called
1: Goldfinger. John Paul taught me breathwork. It changed my life. I have struggled with anxiety and depression throughout my life, and I've gotten through it. This is a solution-based show. We're talking about solutions to problems today hi travis hey,
2: guys. hey do i have a little do i have one minute to make a quick cup of coffee
1: sure yeah yeah of course man go do it uh, it was the yeah i love the fucking cold plunge man i just don't i can't do it anymore because everything's hot
0: oh it's not cold enough you got to get your own like tony robbins style he has this cool one that you just it's like a square <laughs> and you step down inside of it and you go and go up to your neck it's it's amazing I've looked into them. They're not cheap, but they're so good. And when you can keep it refrigerated at whatever temperature you want, it's next level.
1: How much, how much water can it refrigerate?
0: Whatever, whatever the thing is like the, you know, it's basically like a hot tub in reverse, you know, but they're smaller, you know, it's like most of them are smaller. There's one. But But it's made to
1: cool down a jacuzzi, not like a fucking pool.
0: No, God, no, you don't want to do that. It's a square, it's a small square thing, you know, it's not, it's like one person goes in it, right? They have ones too that are hot and cold on either side. So you can go back and forth, which is this place that I was going to has that, the hot and the cold. So you go back. Yeah, yeah.
1: The montage in uh, Laguna Beach has that.
0: It's amazing. I mean, that's how, like when I'm feeling all old and beat up, I get all the, I flush all the blood out of my body and from doing jujitsu, I just, I wouldn't be able to move otherwise.
1: You ever stayed at the montage down in Laguna, Travis? No, never. You ever stayed at any montage? No. Wait, they got one in Beverly Hills, yeah? They got one in Beverly Hills. They got one in Deer Valley. Dude, it's the fucking best.
0: I was with Justin Bieber, not to drop, drop names, but he flipped out of the people in the gym and the montage. It was hilarious. That's
1: awesome. For what, trying to take photos or some shit?
0: Well, first he said okay, and then they kept coming in, and it was like and he started screaming at them. And then the poor security guard was like in the worst place ever. Like, what do you do, you know?
1: So Travis, Travis and I are making an epic album together right now.
0: So he's in a group called
1: Girlfriends with my good friend Nick Rose, and they're fucking amazing. So we're making an album right now. And just a quick intro, John Paul is my meditation teacher. He uh, has taught me how to meditate and he used to, he came on the road with Goldfinger um, a bunch back in the day as my trainer personal trainer, sort of security, I guess, tour manager. And now he's become like a breathwork guru to, ab- it's just crazy how your life is transformed. I used
0: to beat the fuck out of people. And now I show people how to clear out like anger and stress and like anxiety.
1: I need a session with you
2: ASAP,
0: man. We can do it we can do it whenever you want i do it i do a class every sunday online which you can do and you can come on and keep your camera off you know and be anonymous or we can do a private whatever you want but it's this weird breathing technique that's like a workout right and because so, i tried to meditate and had the hardest time with it but once i did this technique where you lay flat on your back and i show you how to do it through your mouth it literally clears out. The most common statement is, holy shit, that was like 20 years of therapy without saying a word, right? No, yes.
2: Okay. I'm in.
0: Nice. We'll do it. We'll have to do it and then do another podcast afterwards just to see your experience. Yeah, like
1: before and after. Yeah,
0: it would be cool. Yeah, what's,
1: going, I love it. what's going on? What are you stressing about these days? Uh, not so much stress, man. It's crazy because of
2: everything going on. I feel like I'm busier now than before. I'm someone who is always on the go, right? Like I'm used to traveling all the time. I always have a million projects. I don't really have to leave my house for anything, right? I can kind of knock it all out from, you know, my living room and my couch. But I, at the same time, it just feels like I have my day scheduled in hour blocks.
0: Have you seen that movie about a boy?
2: Is that the one that was filmed over like like seven years or something?
0: Oh, no, that's a different one. That's... Uh,
2: boyhood. That's boyhood.
0: Boyhood. Yeah, you no, that this is This is like you, Grant, and he's like, he's a trust fund because his father wrote like a Christmas jingle, and then he literally just doesn't know what to do with his life, so he breaks everything up into hour blocks. Like, it's literally just trying to divide his day up into these hour blocks all day, every day.
2: You got to watch it. Yeah, and if I finish something early, I'm like, okay, what do I do with this 40 minutes?
1: (laughs) Dude. So I'm trying to think of when I first met you. I met you like, maybe was it about eight, nine years ago? You came to my old house? Uh, it was probably 2000. I want to say like 2013. Okay. And yeah,
2: I came to your old house. We had a session. I was so excited just because, you know, I grew up on all of the records that you produce and I grew up on Goldfinger, which I told you. And like my friend who played guitar for me at the time for my solo project had a photo uh, of your guys like, you guys shot a DVD or something and yeah. you had everyone on stage. I want to say it was at the showcase theater
1: it was i think it was house of blues in uh,
2: in anaheim yeah he was in the photo for the dvd he made it made it and so i remember like that morning he called me and he was just like so jealous and ecstatic that i was able to like go to your house and work with you and i was so nervous going to your house uh that day but uh yeah man we ended up hitting it off and you know we made we made some good music together i don't think any of it came out which is just the woes of being signed to a label but you know i got to meet you and form a friendship and now
1: fast forward you know years later we we get to make an album together it is weird how shit like i was thinking when i was a kid you know there was, there was a movie called valley girl this 80s movie with i think it was nicholas cage's first movie ever and this band that Souls had a song million miles away i don't know if you remember this 80s song million miles away it was just great 80s song and uh And it was like as a kid, it influenced, like that soundtrack influenced me so much as an artist. And it's just amazing now when I meet people, because we've been in like American Pie and Euro Trip and Kingpin, all these movies with like 99 Red Balloons and Superman. That is like how shit comes full circle and how you're so involved with media, video, and everything that you do, how you influence kids and how weird it is that like at one point in our life, we had mentors like ourselves now, you know, you know what I was thinking when I saw you last a couple days ago, I was like, I'm going to, I want to get that tattoo that you have, the outline of California on you, is it on your hand? Oh, it's on my thumb. Yeah. On your thumb yeah i want to get that fucking tattoo it's so rad good man
0: <laughs> so so travis one of the things that one of the reasons we wanted to do this show is um you know we everybody struggles with like depression and anxiety and all this stuff like i struggled with anger for years and so i found like this breathwork thing that really helps me and feldy does breath work and cold plunge and so we were talking like you know is there things that people struggle with that we they would share and like, what are the solutions? Like what tools do you use to, to overcome it? Like, so do you have anything like that, that you ever struggle with? Like depression, anxiety, stress, any of that stuff?
2: Absolutely, man. I mean, I am probably, you know, one of the biggest, uh, I struggle the most from anxiety. It's definitely affected my life since I was 18, uh, on to the point where like, I mean, I would have debilitating panic attacks. Uh, I didn't drive a car for a year and a half.
0: Wow. Uh,
2: you know, I had to have someone drive me around because anytime I get behind the wheel or be on a freeway, I would just think that I'm gonna have a heart attack and drive into the you know, the middle divider. I almost had a panic attack as I got on this call. And it always happens when I know that I'm not supposed to have one. You know, like when I was 21 about to get a record deal, I'd go into these meetings with these executives And I'd sit down with, you know, the president of, of Warner brothers or, you know, the whole marketing team at Columbia, I would be totally fine. And you know, they'd start talking to me and then all of a sudden this thought would pop into my head and it would be like, it would be really bad to have a panic attack right now. Mm. And there would be nothing I could do to stop it to the point where I'd have to excuse myself to go to the bathroom. I'd always be like, Hey, I gotta go to the bathroom I'd go to the bathroom. I'd be freaking out. Try to take water and splash it all over my face. I've like literally dumped. I'd be driving and like taking you know a big bottle of water and just dumped the whole thing on my head. I remember you know I had a session with these producers, uh, the Futuristics. It was my first session in a real studio, uh, and I I was in the vocal booth and I told them to call nine one one. I was like I'm having a heart attack. You know call an ambulance. And they were so freaked out because they had never really like seen and like, I mean, it was their first time meeting me. They didn't know if I was really having a heart attack or whatever. And like, you know, an ambulance came to the studio, you know, put in the back of an ambulance once at a concert and taken to the hospital. Uh, and, you know, in in the ambulance, they were taking my blood pressure and my heart rate was like 180. And they were like, what'd you take? You know, they thought I was on drugs. Uh, and I was like, am I going to die? Um, and that's like, when I really knew, I was 18 when that happened. That's when I really knew, like, this is, this is real, you know? And I was the first one in my family to ever struggle um, with anxiety and, and, and panic attacks. You know, and, and I, have, I have ADHD as well, like diagnosed when I was, you know, 12 years old. So that's something, I have a podcast too called ADHD that I talk a lot about on my podcast. I'll go through highs and, and, and then I'll have really low lows where I get super unmotivated, Uh, You know, I feel like everything I'm doing in life isn't good enough. Uh, I'll get super hard on myself. I'll let my diet go to shit. I'll stop working out. I'll stop working on projects that I love. I'll dissociate, um, you know, so yeah, it's something that I've, I've definitely struggled with, you know, since I was a, since I was like a young teenager.
0: So what tools, I have some thoughts, some ideas around it, but I'm wondering like what tools have you developed to cope with the anxiety because to, to, it sounds like you've gotten through most of it, right? Or you're getting through most of it. Yeah. You learn to cope.
2: One, you know, I'll, I'll kind of break this down with my ADHD. I've been able to use it as a tool for all of my projects, right? Like John said, you know, I have a TV show, I have a podcast, I have a radio show with Apple Music. I'm working on an album. I feel like you know, what it's like to be inside of my brain is, hey, I wanna learn guitar. Okay, cool. Pick up my guitar, sit down on YouTube, I'll start watching a video. 10 minutes later, I'm like, oh damn, I gotta send that email about this T-shirt. Put down my guitar, get on my computer, have to send an email. Oh, this thing was supposed to air on TV today, I wanna watch So I feel like I'm pulled in a thousand different directions and I can never focus on just one thing. Um, And it used to just, it really used to piss me off, because it'd be like, I wish I was someone who could just sit down and be like, I'm going to learn this thing. I'm going to spend 10 hours a day on it. But that's never me, right? And like I said, I, I break my days up into like hour blocks. What I've realized is I'm able to kind of you know, find these bits of inspiration, right? And like, oh, hey, I want to write an album. But in order to write this album to the best of my abilities, I should be better at guitar. So I can kind of take these, these two things, merge them into one and do one while I'm doing the other. On top of that, it makes me a really good multitasker, right? I haven't been that way my whole life, but I've kind of gotten to a place where I'm able to do multiple things at once. And so I think looking at it through the perspective of it's a strength, rather than it's a distraction, yeah. uh, it's really helped. Because I meet people all the time who are like, I wish I could do my TV show and a podcast and a radio show and make an album, but I, I'm just not, you know, I don't have the motivation to do that. And for me, it's kind of like, I have no other choice. Um, and I think if I don't have all of these different things going on, this quote unquote chaos, I, I feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, I feel like I'm not kind of living, you know, at my highest potential. So it's very rewarding, when I'm able to do all of these things at a very high level, and just kind of learning, you know, how, how I need to work. Um, And you know, some days I need to kind of unplug and not do anything, right? It's important to take a day where I just go ride my bike. But I I definitely have not always been that way. Uh, With my anxiety, I feel like talking to people about it, Um, you know, just having open and honest, you know, conversations to where, if I was somewhere, you know, with someone I can let them know, like, Hey, just so you know, uh, I struggle from anxiety. I have crazy panic attacks. And if I ever get like this, this is what I'll most likely do. This is something I can do to calm me down. Uh, and you know, it's not out of the ordinary. I've struggled with this my whole life. And I feel like kind of having that, that acceptance, makes a lot of that go away. Because it always happens when I feel like I'm not supposed to have it.
0: It's like your brain is trying to sabotage you, right? It's a, it's well, a weird thing. Like The brain is this you know, 200,000 year old machine that its job is to protect us, right? From saber tooth tigers and from all these things out there. But now it's gotten so overactive. It's like, whatever you do, don't have a panic attack right now. And like that's what it's gonna do. And so it freaks you out you know, one of the things I love about breathing is like you can turn it off. Like this one technique I teach can literally turn off your brain. It's called transient hyperfrontality. It it turns off the frontal lobe that tells you all these things. That's a critic that tells you you're not enough. You're not smart enough. You're not talented enough. You're not rich enough. You're not hairy enough. So it turns that thing off, which is crazy. It's, It's just the best feeling I've ever had in my life. But there's another technique that I teach people when they struggle with anxiety, which is just sort of doing twice as long of an exhale. Because when you do twice as long of an exhale, it puts you in your parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and digest. So most people when they're having an anxiety or a panic attack are breathing really shallow or they're holding their breath. So if you breathe in, in through your nose, for example, down into your belly, into your diaphragm, and then you do twice as long exhale out of your mouth. And you do that a couple times, in through your nose, into your belly. And then twice as long out your mouth, and even you can make a sound. It will put you in your parasympathetic nervous system, will start to rest and digest. Like I've had moments where I'm going to get up and speak in front of 2,000 people. I'm like, shit, I'm following like this Michael Beckworth or some big name person or whatever. And um, I start to feel that anxiety and panic and I'm not breathing properly. And so I just do that long exhale, and it calms me down. And then the other trick is your brain doesn't know the difference between excitement and fear. So that's why people like horror movies, because it, it like gets that same exciting feeling in their bo- in your body when you're scared. And so if you tell yourself, what am I going to get out of this? Like, I'm going to feel so good after this meeting or after I speak or after I do this thing, like try and focus on what you're going to get from the thing that you're nervous about. That really helps. Like that's, a game changer for me. So just some tools that I've used along the way, but you know, it sounds like, you, you know, you've really learned to deal with it and turned uh, sort of what would some people might consider liabilities into assets. Right.
2: I like to think so. Um, yeah. And not only that, but like when I was quote, unquote coming up, people didn't really talk about mental health. Right. Like, I, and you know, that's something I really regret in my early years of releasing music is like i never really talked about it i never touched on it in interviews it was just something that people didn't talk about um, and now you know fast forward i feel like over the last five years it's really become you know the center of conversation and, and something that people are making art around um, and there's so many more support systems for kids you know that are growing up experiencing all of these things um, so you know i feel grateful in a way that that these doors you know, I've opened up, um, and there's all these different outlets for people to kind of deal with the things that I didn't really have the resources to.
1: And I, I remember when I was fucking, uh, when I was still selling shoes, I would have panic attacks at the shoe store and I would go down in the basement and just lay on the ground. Cause I'm like, fuck, am I having a heart attack? Like what is going on? Like I just, I would, I was like like seconds away from 911 from the basement of the shoe store. Cause I'm like, I can't breathe, you know? And I, I feel like, I just don't know what was going on. And I remember right when Goldfinger got signed, the first tour we ever got was opening for the Sex Pistols when they had their reunion tour in 1996. And I'm like, Holy shit. I mean, for like a, like a pop punk band to be able to open for like the first punk band of all time. It was, I mean, it was like, but the first show was going to be in Auckland, New Zealand. And the longest flight up until then I'd ever really done was half hour to visit my parents in San Francisco. And I was thinking, what the fuck am I going to do on a plane for 17 hours if I have a panic attack, like what am I going to, I would. And I, back then it was like how I treated it was just only exercise. That was the only tool that I knew was exercise. So I would run and I would run for, you know, 60, 90 minutes is how I got through it. You know, and I would look at an airplane in the sky and I was just like, how the fuck am I going to sit in a plane? And I would get panic attacks as I'm running, you know, but the thing is, like you said, it's like, there's something about like the brain and like what I do now is the first thing when I, when I can get that tingly feeling of like out of body where I'm feel like I'm living a second ahead of myself like that anxiety feeling of whatever that is you know I just tell my brain no because life is too fucking short I'm like no I'm not going to do this and I get immediately I get into action whether that's like whether I go running or I go into a meditation or I do breath work or I go in a cold plunge whatever it is that can get me in my body right here right now like how do I get in my body like here right here because when when I'm right here everything's great if I live right here when I'm living like five minutes from now I'm not okay. I'm never okay when I'm when I'm living in the future.
2: Yeah, I know that my dad, my dad's an older dude. He had no idea. Like he couldn't, he couldn't really relate. He he didn't understand what I was really going through. And a bunch of friends too, you know, just be like, dude, you're fine. You're overreacting, like calm down. When you're kind of met with that, it it's really hard to explain to people what it feels like because it feels like you're on the verge of sudden death. It feels like mm-hmm. literally at, at any time my vision's just going to go black and I'm going to pass out or I'm, I'm just going to, you know, fall over and die. And yeah, I mean, I'm in therapy now. So it's like, you know, some of the things that I've kind of learned is to realize what's happening when it's happening. Right. It's, it's something that I've been through before what happened the last time I had this, like, did I die? No. So, you know, what's going to be different about this time and to kind of like manage my expectations. And I think I'm someone who always wants to control a situation. Right. I think there's like, that part of me that you know just I want to control everything and, and and like you said Feldy like when I future spiral and I go down this like this rabbit hole of like what could happen or like what's going to happen that's when I kind of just lose all control
1: yeah absolutely man and um I know you exercise a lot man and and I was talking to John Paul who I think started his day today with a with a piece of key lime pie I think that was your breakfast <laughs> right is that what you had
0: well I had three hash browns too but yeah three hash browns and a Bounce. key lime pie yeah <laughs>
1: so I think you know I I think a lot of us during this whole COVID thing is we've we've gained I've gained some weight personally like I I've gone a whole belt belt notch wider you know and it's like what am what am I going to do and but I think you know for me you know exercise is such a a key part of my of my daily routine, like I I mean, so much of my life is based around my anxiety and how can I manage it? You know, so I start my day. I have a morning routine I do every day. I do a a cold shower because that totally any kind of like low level, um, kind of depression that's happening of like I'm gonna lose what I have. I'm not gonna get what I want. Like those are the two human fears that I think a lot of us deal with. You know, like because you've got an amazing life, Travis. Like I see your life from the outside and I go. I can understand why a lot of people would say this guy has what I want. And I'm the same way. You know, if you look at me from the outside, I mean, I've got, you know, I'm 52, I've got a wife, kids, I've got this career, I've got, you know, and I've done what I love for a living since I've been, you know, 25. And so you look at from the outside, you think, well, what problems could this guy have? But I think we're all human going through this experience. And like, how do we how do we all cope with these anxieties? And I just love hearing your stories, because I look at you from an outsider, and I'm getting to know you really well. And I see that you've got, you know, how structured you are with your diet, how structured you are with your exercise. And it's like, it makes me want to aspire to do that because i've been doing to be honest i know sugar's awful for panic attacks i know caffeine and i and i think you probably drink more coffee than i do and i've i don't think i've met anyone that drinks more coffee than me so you (laughs) I, i also have decaf in the house so i know when i've had like five cups it's time to switch over to decaf right yeah I do like fucking probably 12 shots a day. I mean, throughout my day, it's like, and it's like, I know that's terrible, but when I'm doing what I love, which is part of my solution, creating, when I'm creating music, I'm not... I'm not future tripping. I'm in the moment. Like when you and I sat down the other day and we were writing that song, I I think the last song we were writing about some experience you had as a kid. I don't want to share too much about it, but it's like, you know, we were there together in the moment. And I know that, I know I at least wasn't anxious on any level because we were creating.
0: I feel like if I drink that much coffee, I induce an anxiety, a panic attack. I've literally done that before. I've had too much coffee where I'm just crawling out of my skin and I induce a panic attack. But I was listening, I was thinking about something Travis said when he was talking about from being in therapy with the self-talk, like positive self-talk, like I've been here before, you know how to get through this, you're gonna get through this. And I, I just think like I've read studies where they have people who, some of the most successful people on the planet, whether it's an athlete or an actor or whatever, they have really good positive self-talk. Like they've learned, they've taught themselves to sort of teach like to themselves, like say good things to yourself, be kind to yourself, right? And I thought, you know, I used to be in the UFC a lot and fight it, fighters and stuff. And they they have these guys called a hype guy. Have you ever heard of this? He walks out with the fighter to, when the fighter's going to go to the fight. And the whole time, he's just in his ear. And he's like, you're a badass. And ain't nobody going to beat you on the planet. You're the baddest motherfucker alive. I thought, wouldn't it be amazing to just have a hype guy, like, follow you around? And you're at the supermarket, like, picking out groceries. And be like, nobody picks out cantaloupes like you. You be... To be amazing i think self-talk
2: is something that i mean it's something i still struggle with especially with you know music and being in entertainment it's like oftentimes i feel uh like i have imposter syndrome you know why do you deserve to have a record deal why do you deserve to you know have fans why do you deserve to have a tv show like they're gonna they're gonna find out you're fake your your life is gonna go to shit and anytime I've tried to really reinforce, like, no, dude, you do deserve this. You are good enough. I still have that other voice that's like you're lying to yourself. Like, yeah, you can say those things, but you don't mean it. It's not true. And so kind of finding that positive reinforcement. And that's one thing it's like, I feel like I'm so hard on myself because I don't ever want to be cocky. You know, I don't ever want to have like a false sense of accomplishment. And in one way it motivates me because I'm, I'm kind of like never satisfied. But on the other hand, you know, it can, be, it can be awful for self-esteem. You know, if you're always telling yourself you're not good enough, if you're always telling yourself, you know, you're not going to make it, I mean, that, it can be detrimental to, you know, your mental health.
0: Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to work with some of the most successful people on the planet, and, it, and I'll tell you this thing right here. Everybody suffers from I'm not enough. Everybody, and, it, and that imposter syndrome is is a real thing. And I don't know why everybody has this lie. And in fact, that's why so many successful people are so successful because they're trying to fill this, I'm not enough hole with like, if I get this Grammy, if I get this Oscar, if I get this gold medal, I will be enough. I will finally be enough. And then when they get it and it doesn't fill that hole, they're like, shit, now what? Right? And so- It's challenging to deal with it. The first time I ever did this breathwork technique that I teach is like the first time I ever felt like I was enough. I didn't need to be more, do more, any of that thing. And it cleared out that lie inside of me. And it was the best I've ever felt in my life. And that's why I'm so, I believe in it so much. I teach it so much. It's like, I'm not the type of guy to do that kind of thing. I'm not the type of guy to talk this way. And it was just so powerful when it cleared out that lie. And I don't know why we suffer from this. Like, I don't know why everybody has this lie inside of them, but it's real. It's a real friggin' thing that we all have.
2: I was at your house the other day. I think the day that we wrote that song and I asked you, uh, just like, yo, did you ever picture yourself like, you know, doing all this and still producing records? And like, you know, I, I remember asking you specifically, I was like, do you think that the money is ever enough? You know like when you when you get to these certain accomplishments and you know you're able to like build your resume and do all these amazing projects like and you know you start making more money and you get to do all these things like do you feel fulfilled do you feel like okay cool i could i could stop right now and you said you said it's never enough
1: (laughs) <laughs> I know, man. It is, uh, you know, and it is It is never, It. it, it for me, I've, I've found that the outside stuff never really fills me up the same way that, like, I mean, just talking about, it, like you said, like having this conversation to me, like, I feel like, I just feel so connected now to you as a human being that, like, we suffer from the same thing. When we first came up with California, you just kind of came up with these lines that rhymed lyrically. I mean, lyrics are the most important thing in music. I mean, in my opinion, at least, you know, lyrics are the thing that connects me to another human is the words that we say. And you have such a gift for being able to write these incredible lyrics. And it's like, God, I mean, I look at you like this person, but we all, I guess at the end of the day, whatever we have, we're still only human. And your music has evolved as well. And I've watched you through the years Kind of go, go through these incarnations like, like I have. I mean, I started in a, in a punk band, then I played in like a thrash metal band, and then I went back to like this pop punk band. And it's like, and, and it's like my music, I feel like is always evolving. And I've watched your career kind of from the outside. And it's like you've now finally, I think, found your own voice with this record we're making.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I feel like, you know, sometimes... I don't feel confident in my abilities because I don't have a Grammy. I, you know, don't have like, you know, some of my old music, like it never sold this much. Like, it, never, you know what I mean? I have all of these kind of like failures that are, I don't want to call them failures, but like shortcomings or, or yeah, failures that are like embedded in me and like, well, if you really were that good of a lyricist, you would have this by now, or you would be, you know, you would be like this other artist, or you would, you know, you would have done this. And so it's like this constant, comparison dude if you want to get bummed out just compare yourself to someone else
0: yeah compare despair i always say
2: well they always say comparison is the thief of joy right
0: that's good do you think that when you're doing that like for me when i'm teaching and i start to talk and people are breathing and i i start saying all this stuff and i don't even know where it's coming from like i'm channeling it i get into like a flow state Right, they call that a flow state. Is that what you guys are doing when you start writing music together? You get into this flow state where you're channeling creativity and it's almost coming from a place that I don't want to sound weird, but like outside of yourself. I mean it's coming through you. Does it feel like it's coming through you? I guess I'm asking.
2: Yeah, I'd say a majority, you know, like like Feldy said, we're working on a record right now, and like my favorite songs on the record, uh, and like my favorite lyrics that uh, you know, I've written have I haven't thought long about them. It's not like I spend you know more than 30 minutes and then i'll kind of walk away with this song that we make in a few hours and i'm like how the fuck did we think about like how did we come up with that you know because it's just like i don't want to say perfect because things can always be better but it's just like i couldn't sit down and write a song like this again if i tried you know like i could try my hardest to like make this word rhyme with that word and make this sentiment you know finish this one and like I just wouldn't be able to do it. And I'm reading, or I just read this book uh, called the war of art by Stephen Pressfield. And, you know, it talks about like an artist's struggle. And I think the biggest, you know, the biggest kind of enemy against an artist is resistance. It's pretty much all about resistance. And it's like, you know, it's not hard to, you know, write your novel. It's not hard to paint, you know, the Mona Lisa, it's not hard to write your Beethoven symphony. The hardest part, for an artist is sitting down to start. And I find that so true. And it, you know, he talks about this other, uh, this other artist who got asked like, you know, does inspiration just come or like, you know, do you just like sit down and write when you're inspired? And he's like, the craziest thing is inspiration always strikes at 9am every single day, you know? And it's about like putting yourself like every day I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna treat this almost like a job, I'm gonna be a professional and I'm gonna sit down and do this. Um, rather than kind of like waiting for, you know, this magical breath of of air to kind of get in. It's like, you know, if you're a professional one, you're scared shitless, right. An amateur is overconfident and thinks that they know everything.
0: Yeah. They say, and you know, an amateur writes when they're inspired and a professional writes regardless. Right. And I've, I've been a writer for a long time and, and it's never, I'm never excited to sit down. I have to force myself into the chair and I have to force myself to get going. And then it starts to come after a while, you know. It's like going to the gym. Like that first ten minutes in the gym or twenty minutes in the gym is miserable for me. You know, the first ten minutes of doing breath work is miserable for me. I have to push through that initial phase, the warm up phase, I call it. Right, you have to get through the warm up to get to the other side, and then and then it starts. Then that you start to open up a channel or whatever the hell it is.
2: I've never left a workout feeling worse than before I walked in. Right. Like yeah. I've never kind of regretted you know working out after the fact yeah only the opposite I've only regretted not working out
0: yeah it's good
1: I don't know dude I, I there is something that happens outside of me when I'm creating and it is it is an intangible that happens between the thought like my thought of like okay maybe I want to do something reminiscent of like Baba O'Reilly by the who or I don't know, some, you know, generation X, or whatever it is that's in my head of like whatever influence I've, I've got for that day, something up-tempo or something slow. Like I'll have that thought and then it'll be like, what's the concept? Like, what are we talking about? Like you and I will have a conversation. We'll talk about whatever's going on in your life, whether it was some memory of growing up or some relationship that you're in or a relationship that's ended in the past or whatever it is. And then we kind of get into the weeds about that. And then, so I've got all these ideas but then there's something that, that happens between the, the actual melody and, and hook and, and, the, and the actual song and talking about it. something comes in between and puts it together. And a lot of times I do feel like that, that comes from outside of me, that channeling wherever that creative energy is comes from outside. Because like you said, Travis, Like there are all those moments of insecurity of when you're writing and being vulnerable and writing the song and you're like, fuck, this is so great. Oh my God, this is the worst shit. Or it sounds too much like this. Or we've ripped this off, you know? And what do they say that like, you know, smart people borrow and geniuses steal or whatever when it comes to creating music. And it's like, um, or art in general, when it comes to art, you know, uh, and and I go through all those incarnations of the song, and then by by the end, we've got something tangible. And I don't know, some there's something that happens that I can't explain when there's a when there's greatness in the room, you know.
0: I'm excited to hear this new album.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, it's coming. Uh, it's coming really soon.
0: Awesome. Was it? I was
1: going to ask too because I know that you. I mean, a lot of times you have to put the other. I mean, this is the first time you've been able to really like put yourself first, probably in a, in a minute, because a lot of times with your TV show and your um, Apple music show, you've got, you've got to put the other artists first. So this is fucking rad, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, what's interesting about, about the shows is because, you know, I have been doing this for a while. Like I'm 31. I've been doing, you know, making music since I was a teenager, but like, you know, I signed my first record deal at 21. So, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years now. It's like, I've met so many people in the industry and like I've I, I grew up with so many artists um, who have gone on to become, you know, huge superstars. And you know, a lot of times we've done our first tours together. And then also like this new wave of artists. Like, you know, when I was 13, you put out this song, and I came to see you, you know, play the Roxy. And so it's like I have all this history, and I'm able to connect with them on a much deeper like level than you know, some dude who works at a radio station, you know, in LA, who's like some like disc jockey VJ, you know, and so like, we're able to talk about music in a different way. And like, I think the biggest reward for me is when artists talk to me like a fellow artist, right? Like they know I'm not just some dude who's like, well, what made you name this song that they're like, you know Travis you know how it is being on the road like you know you know what it's like to be in a bus with people and it's like yeah dude i hated when you know my tour bus would break down and you're with your crew or whatever just like these these conversations and i feel like it's just a different perspective for people to get to know you know their favorite artists and so for that i'm grateful
1: yeah it's cool also to hear you know when you were last time you're at the house you're talking about how you met nick you know and how life does have this this randomness to it that all connects sometimes at the end of the day you know it's just weird how uh serendipitous we that you and i are together again and you just you never know what your future is going to hold and like look all all i know is that i give everything I do, like 100%. I was talking to my son about Dead Deadpool, you know, that's like 100% effort. You know, that's just what... That's whether whether we're playing ping pong, which um, we're gonna play today for sure, or even whatever, like training my dogs. It's just like, unless I do it like with that, it's not gonna, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't amount to anything unless I go all in. Breath work, like you're talking about John Paul, the first, like working out, if the first five minutes suck, but I know first five, 10 minutes, but I know it's gonna be great after.
0: Life is just amazing and the turns that you take and that you don't expect. And then you go, like, what? what's next? Like, I never would have thought that I would be here, you know, a few years ago, right? So you just don't know. And so I just wonder, like, Travis, like, when will you have that thing? When When will you know that you have it? Like, for me, I had to let go of it and to get it. It was so crazy because I was chasing it so hard. And I had a million-dollar screenplay deal that fell apart and all these kind of things. And then finally, I let go. I surrendered I was at like a Tony Robbins event and I said, you know what? I'm just going to help people. I'm going to stop all the Hollywood stuff and I'm just going to help people because that's what I'm good at. And everything just came in when I started helping people. And I, and what was ironic was I felt more fulfilled and more uh, just fulfilled is probably the best word. Like I had purpose and fulfillment and joy in, in a way that I never found anywhere else. And so You know, it's like, I I ask people like, when will you know when you have it? When will you know you have that thing that you're looking for? Right.
2: Oh, I wish I could answer that question. I mean, I know that I've experienced a bit of that now, you know, to kind of piggyback on what you said, it's like in 2016, you know, like I'd been dropped by my label. Uh, my career was at an all time low. I was going broke. Um, and I had this really cool opportunity to, go and do this apple music show and to kind of start but i had so much ego of like i want people to see me as an artist i'm Mm -hmm. an artist i go on tour i have fans i do this i don't want people to think i gave up and be this like this radio dj and like i don't want to interview other artists i want to be the one being interviewed and so i did it for eight months uh and then i was like i'm going on tour so i walked away from that went on tour it went like came back life got even like worse, right? It was just awful. I was trying to put out singles and none of them worked. You know, all my friends kind of like disappeared because, you know, when money goes away and all that stuff goes away, a lot of times people do too. Uh, relationship fell apart. And so in, at the end of 2017, I got, I got approached by Apple again. Oh, I wrote, a, wrote a TV show and tried to sell it all around town. No one, I like banked on this thing, right? No one bought it. So like, It was just like anything that could have gone wrong really went wrong. Another opportunity came back at Apple for me to do my show that I'm doing now. And I kind of just like let go. And I was like, yo, I'm going to give this a real shot, right? Like no resentment, no ego. I don't care how people see me because I'm going to make this, you know, amazing. Poured all my energy into that. Fast forward like, you know, two, two and a half years. And, you know, I've had over 600 guests. It's, you know, one of the coolest shows on Apple Music, if I say so myself. Uh, (laughs) It's like the only pop culture show that's there where like I'm intersecting athletes, authors, actors, musicians, you know, YouTubers. So it's like this like kind of melting pot of everything that's going on in the world. Um, And that's led to so many other opportunities, which a lot of of them I'm doing now, you know? And if I would have held on to that ego of like, I want people to see me as an artist, that never would have happened.
0: I, I love that story. One of my favorite quotes, I actually got it from Feldi, which is my ego is not my amigo, right? And so when I let go of who I think I'm supposed to be what I'm supposed to look like, what my life is supposed to look like, then I can start to step into maybe something better, my destiny, even though it's not how I think my, my destiny, my life, my career is supposed to go. Like I remember one of my first breathwork classes. I was like, I didn't even want to do it. Somebody said, you need, you really need to share this thing. And I was like, ugh, I didn't want, I not want people to know I'm doing this weird breathing thing. And Matthew Perry from friends came. He's a friend of mine. And, Afterwards, he was like, Dude, that was the most amazing thing I've ever experienced. He goes, This is your gift. Like, this is your purpose. This is what you're supposed to do. And I was like, The friggin' breathing thing? Like, I want my own show. Like, I don't want to do the breathing thing. And he's like, No, no, no. This is your gift. And then he came to this class that I was doing in LA that was sold out, you know, about five years later and, you know, the 200 people. And he's like, I told you, I told you this was your destiny. And it's, you know, we just don't know what life, when we can step out of the idea of what we think our life is supposed to look like and start to follow just what, what maybe is knocking right on our door. Like somebody had to tell me, like, people are calling you to do this. It's your calling because people are literally picking up the phone and fucking calling you to do it. That's a calling now. That's what a calling looks like these days. And so I had to let go of all those ideas to, to really become who I am today and who I am today is a really happy person. You know, man, I really appreciate you coming on here today and being real and raw and honest, because I think that you're going to help some people by doing that. You know, there are some people who look up to you and admire you and they're going to hear what you shared today. And it's going to, it's going to make them feel okay. It's going to make them feel better. And that's, I mean, for me, that's why I want to do this show. That's what makes me feel great about this show. It's like somebody who loves you, who admires you. You just changed your life today by sharing what you shared. So thank you. I want to say thank you for doing that.
1: Yeah.
2: So much for having me, man.
1: Yeah, Yeah. You're the best, man. It's like a lot of people don't want to get vulnerable. And I think that's the only way through this stuff for us to help ourselves and us to help others is by being honest
2: definitely no and i mean it's something that you know i've kind of had to tap into too over those this last year you know i feel like for so long i was i was numb and you know trying to avoid feelings rather than you know go into them and yeah i mean uh, you know if if i could just help anyone from all the pain that i've experienced and the things that i've been through then it's worth it you know
1: yeah well you're the best man thank you for coming yeah thanks for coming on